This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, everybody. I have something really cool to tell you about. If you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain here. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will uh, distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one single place. Now, the way that you can do this is you got to download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. And then you can get started. It's really fun. We just switched over recently here at All Too Real 2. And I'm enjoying it so far. So be sure to check it out and uh, let us know what you think. Okay, everybody, welcome to the latest episode of All Too Real <laughs> My name is Michael E. Colin II, and with me via social distancing on the interwebs is... Is, uh, Matthew, um, Matthew Biden, no, um... You changed your last name? My man, my name is Matt. No, no, no. Matthew Sanders, Matthew Harris, Matthew Yang. I'm in a polygamous relationship with all of them, so I'm married to each one of them. So I'm, I'm, I'm Kamala Harris's like second husband, and um, I'm also married to Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. You're like, <laughs> yeah. you're like their second I, wives. Yeah, yeah. I, I see. I don't discriminate between age and gender or anything like that. So you know, I mean, I have to say that Kamala is probably my favorite spouse. Okay, we can't talk about this because illegal issues. So I'm just gonna say that's false. Um, no, you know, no. I don't want to say anything that's untrue about politicians. So. I, I will not comment, so I can have plausible <laughs> deniability to any of this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so um, we can just scratch all that. That was that was dumb. <laughs> You, mean, you can leave it in. I'm just saying, for audience, you just just scratch all of it. Like, yes, audience, ignore that. 
I'm still yeah. gonna keep it in the audio, but ignore it. You just ignore it. Like, don't even realize. I mean, I mean, you're listening now, so you've already heard it. So it's kind of ipso facto. We're wasting time right now. But okay. So, so build a time machine. <laughs> go back in time, and don't listen to that part. E- yes, and I actually have. Uh, a PDF file on how to build a time machine if you want it to, and then you can do that. Um, so, and where where can they contact you to get that information? Uh, we, uh, all two time travel at gmail dot com. Um, so, okay. Now you're gonna have to actually create that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um. Anyways, today on the show we uh, we did another all two interview. Um, or I should say I did, um, with uh, John Lear, um, who people may know from the TBS show 10 Items or Less. Uh, he did some movies with Noah Baumbach. Um, he uh, created another show called uh, Quick Draw, which is on Hulu, which is a pretty funny uh, Western show as well. Um, yeah, 10 Items or Less, in my opinion, is one of the greatest sitcoms ever. It's just funny, real feeling it's improv and everything so it was it felt real you know (laughs) like real man real real like real humor and not like real humor wait what yeah like not like not like you know uh, a a laugh track at a joke that is yeah objectively not funny at all or like a reference to like let's say a comic book or a superhero TV show and then that itself has laughter after it like Superman the Flash uh, Aquaman Transformers Roaring Laughter what what's that Transformers Oh yeah that's a big one that that's, that's that you you get a, a roaring laugh for that one Transformers <laughs> Thundercats Yes I get it say- as I say, if you go Thundercats, then oh yeah, Thundercats, you you better you better run because their roof is gonna just fall down and all you gotta do is like everyone. say Thundercats, Thundercats, ho, and then um yeah you know <laughs> you're good man, yep. you're good, good to go, good to go. <laughs> you become a you become a Thundercat, and then the, then the check clears and you got another cool million. ten mil or yeah. twenty mil whatever. Whatever it is, <laughs> we should we should create a show like that. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's easy money and and easy to write. So you know, yes. <laughs> but anyway, we're just gonna kill. We're just gonna kill our own careers by just talking about this. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So um, let's just make let's just make enemies with the people that have access <laughs> to Hollywood. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> we'll tell you. Um. John Lear also uh, he uh, he hosts a uh, podcast too that you should check out called uh, Generation Gab with a B. So mm-hmm. it, it's him and a uh, he him and then a uh, millennial stand up comic who uh, co hosts that and they talk about the differences of Generation X and millennials. That's cool. Yeah, it sounds interesting. <clears throat> um, be sure to check that out as well. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, if you haven't, you know, 10 items or less, if you have not watched it, you can watch it for free on Crackle right now. All of it. For free. So, for free. So why aren't you doing it? 
Oh, yeah, wait. why aren't you? Oh, wait, listen to this interview first, then. Then. Then go watch it. Or vice versa. Watch or go watch it right now. Come back and listen to the interview. Either way, listen to the interview. Yeah. Because if you're just <laughs> listening to the introduction with Matt and I, <clears throat> I mean, that's cool. But John Lear took time out of his day to talk to us. So listen to him. <laughs> All right. Do it. So here's the interview right now. Me and John Lear. So, uh, how are you doing, uh, dealing with all the craziness in the world here today? (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, I don't know. You tell me. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it's, it's funny because the bar, I keep lowering the bar. So now uh, if I haven't killed anybody, uh, you know, then I'm, I'm doing all right. If I'm, if I haven't killed anybody and I'm able to get showered, that's like a good day, you know. <laughs> so, uh, how old are your kids? You said you had a, you were taking your kid to get a, some vinyl earlier. So. Yeah, I have a, yeah, I have a, I have a twelve-year-old son and I have a fourteen-year-old daughter, and um, yeah, that that generally makes it, you know, pretty crazy. Yeah, just because, you know, we're we're you know, I don't know how things are out there, but you know, they're all in on in school on computers and so you know socially it's really hard on them and yeah I, you know. I bet. yeah i know how that it my uh i don't have any kids myself but my sister has seven and she's got a bunch of them some of them are in school some of them are out of school doing home and it's just craziness for her so, oh god that just sounds horrible yeah horrible <laughs> Oh, seven. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, one of them's one of them's grown up and has a kid of her own luckily, but the re- but she's got the other six at home still, so it's Oh my god. Yeah. That is just a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> she's a better person than I am. Um <laughs> so, Yeah. So uh just uh, um so like uh why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in uh acting and everything in uh Entertainment. Uh, okay. Well, I, I grew up in the Midwest. I, I grew up in Kansas, um, in Kansas city on the Kansas side, a suburb called Overland park. My, uh, extended, most of my family though, came from a small town outside of Wichita, Kansas called El Dorado, not El Dorado, El Dorado. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it was like, um, it, it was an oil town for a while and, uh, dried up and, um, and so I, you know, I was like class clown. I did some theater in, in, uh, here and there. And, uh, you know, but I, I, I didn't really consider acting or drama a way to make a living <laughs> really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I knew that some people did it, but I didn't, you know, I had no thought about that. I, my uh, speech teacher in high school um, encouraged me to apply to Northwestern in Chicago and, um, and, and outside of Chicago. So I did and I got in and wow. that really changed things for me, you know, cause then I was suddenly out of Kansas. I was, you know, outside of Chicago. I saw like, you know, a big city and Chicago is famous for improv and, uh, and Northwestern had an improv, a student produced improv show. And I auditioned for that 
somebody encouraged me to do it. I auditioned for it. I got in and that really kind of changed my life that you could, you know, get up on stage and say whatever the hell you wanted. You know, that was just like a mind blow for me. And I loved it. And uh, I pursued that through school. And then, it, you know, in, 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 in Chicago, the second city, and, and there was the whole burgeoning independent uh, theater scene at that time in the late 80s, early 90s. That was really kind of awesome. And I, I was in the middle of all of that. Um, John Cusack's company, he, did a, he had a, a theater company. David Schwimmer had a theater company, you know, and then I would, I was involved in this kind of crazy, um, improv company. And we all kind of shared equipment and cast members and dated each other and partied together. And anyway, it was just really awesome time to be young and in Chicago. And, uh, and, but we weren't making any money, <laughs> you know, nobody was making oh, yeah. any money. Everybody was working, you know, during the day. I was substitute teaching. I, I went to Northwestern to be a teacher. I didn't even expect to end up really in theater. And uh, and then I, I the, the theater company that I was in, it was called Ed, E-D. <laughs> it was this crazy group, group of people. And I was doing this show, and it was a hit show. We kind of, had, you know, we were like a flash in the pan thing and it attracted some attention from hollywood and they sent out a uh, talent scout to come see the show and the the particular show that was happening at that point was this two-person show it was me and another guy and it was super fast improv, very uh you know just a sprint for 45 minutes and um and it, it it was it was a big it was a hit show. It was at the Organic Theater, and it it, it was really <laughs> awesome show. And uh, this this talent agent saw it, and she said, "Hey, uh, would you guys like to come out to L.A.? We'll fly you out, we'll put you up, and you do the show for my bosses." And we were like, uh, "Yeah, we'll do that." <laughs> and so we uh, we came out to L.A. and we did it. And it was like we didn't realize it at the time, but like every executive in L.A. was there, you know, and. Oh, wow. We did a great job and we ended up signing with ICM, which is a huge agent. And we signed with three arts, which is a huge management company. And we got a, um, a holding deal with, uh, with the NBC. And, and basically that was my start. Cause then I, I, I the holding deal was like $15,000, which I, you know, was like a yeah. lot of money, still is a lot of money, but this was like 1993, 92, I think. And, uh, you know, it was enough to support me I, and I didn't have to work a job, a side job for a little bit, you know, and that was that, I mean, I, I went through all that money. I was on drugs at the time. So I, I oh, put wow. it all up my nose. Basically I've been sober now for about 24 years, but back then I was in the thick of it. So, but even though I was out of control, it still gave me a little bit of a foothold and that, uh, got me, got me started, you know? That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, what was like the first like big break? Would you say or big thing that you did? Well, it wasn't. This wasn't a big break, but the first show we did was called. Um, <laughs> it was called News Weasels, <laughs> and it was on E Entertainment. You know the Kardashian channel, um, 
and they it was a great idea it was like these two guys you know get to make fun of the news basically yeah but it was on e and they kind of screwed up and and didn't didn't ever didn't weren't able to really get the rights to the news so this was during the whole oj thing (laughs) and we couldn't talk about it (laughs) so we were talking about you know like this public domain footage that they got from Australia while OJ, the whole OJ trial and all of that was going on. So I don't know if that was a big break, but it, I don't know. It got me, it got me health insurance. I worked, you know, on a show regularly. So I got to understand, you know, how to deal with cameras and, and, and kind of how to do all of that, some of that stuff, you know, so it definitely gave me my first sort of taste of all of that. Yeah. Um, and, and then I guess I ended up getting I, I ended up getting a, um, a show called I, I ended up getting on Friends. Yeah. And did an episode of Friends. And the people who were producing Friends were producing another show called Jesse starring Christina Applegate. Yeah. And I got cast on that and as a series regular. And that really, you know, was a lot of money. Yeah. And um and it was I was able to like re- and then and I got sober shortly after that and kind of you know I I kind of realized that I could write, you know, as an improviser it was like I had to in order to make a living I had to break up improv into acting and writing, you know. And uh and so I could I realized I could write dialogue, so I I sold a script uh, to NBC and so I was writing and acting and um and then I guess the next big thing I, I host I, little things. I hosted a show called I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. I, you know, I was the Geico caveman yeah. Uh, yeah. for all those commercials. And then I, uh, along with uh, my partner, Nancy Hauer, we sold us a, uh, a pitch to Sony that we ended up selling to TBS called 10 items or less that ran for three seasons on TBS. And that kind of, you know, was the kind of next level you know, yeah. I guess of, of being able to write and produce and act in my own stuff, which is really what I really wanted to do. You know. Hello, I'm Tom, and I'm Brian, hosts of Be Hero Fights, home of the greatest debates of our time. We tackle the tough topics such as Fortnite versus Call of Duty, McDonald's versus Burger King, John Wick versus. Wait, is is that really fair? Nevertheless, join us weekly on Spotify, Apple, Google, and pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. And hear the madness ensue. And as always, fight on. Hey folks, this is uh, Michael E. Cullen II um, from the podcast that you're listening to right now along with Matthew Haas. We just wanted to tell you about our great, great podcast called Super. It's called All Too Real. And on that show, what what do we do, Matt? We we watch biopics, and then we talk about whether or not the movie matched up with the real story or not. So we it was we, a lot we, more exciting than that, though. Yeah. So so so, so we we analyze the real story and the real story. Get it? Get it? Real. You know? Yeah. They're, they're spelled differently, folks. Yeah. You can guess which one I said which way. Uh-huh. Anyways, um, so uh, sometimes we have guests, sometimes we don't. Um, but we uh, talk about great, great, uh, great movies like uh, Shattered Glass yes. and The Social Network and. Uh, 
a futile and stupid gesture, among others. Um, those are some of the ones that we've covered so far, and uh, we're going to cover a lot more. So uh, please uh, subscribe on Stitcher, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you uh, find your great, fun podcasts. And be sure to share it with your friends. Do it. Do it. Do it. And make sure you're not afraid to get all too, too real. Bye bye. Yeah, ten, ten items, ten items or less is my, in my opinion, one of the best sitcoms that's ever been on TV. It's great. I, I, I work. Oh, at, thank I, you. What is that? Then I work at a Walmart, so I kind of get the idea. That's what I do for paying bills. So I, I kind of the, 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 whole, the whole idea of a grocery store idea and everything. It's, it's, it's great. I mean, I think it. I think it kind of paved the way for something like Superstore that's out now and stuff like that. That you know, kind of, basically. And I, I, yeah, I, I, lo- for I love, sure. I love for the fact sure. that most of that was improv, right? Too. Yeah, all of it. All of the dialogue was improv. Um, we wrote scripts. We wrote really detailed scripts, mm-hmm. but there was no dialogue in the script. So the scripts were just mm-hmm. like, um, you know almost like short stories really yeah we so we had these long scripts and that was really just for the crew and it was really for the executives the actors never even really saw it saw the scripts ever they would just show up get into <laughs> costume and then come down on the set now i was in every scene and i knew the script because i'd written it and nancy my partner wrote the script and she directed it so we were able to kind of do the heavy lifting of like plot and all of that but let the actors do, you know, get access to that kind of comedy. This was before Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Reno 911 yeah. had been around, but Reno, and we we were fans of Reno, but Reno was really, you know, <laughs> they didn't, they were like into having a super strong narrative, you know, yeah. uh, so yeah. we really wanted a stronger narrative. So, um, oh, it was a blast. That was, those were fun times, man. Oh, yeah. We shot, we shot in a grocery store, in the valley um that was open for business while we shot oh wow so a lot of the uh extras in the background are real people just shopping at that store <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it was really fun it was set in ohio oh yeah that's it was, right uh, yeah it was in ohio yeah <laughs> did uh did those customers like know they were going to be on tv or did they you know we put a sign up uh, you know, on the door that says by entering these premises, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But people in LA, I think are so kind of jaded with <laughs> shooting. They don't, they don't even pay attention. You know, <laughs> they just wanted to get their peanut butter. I mean, for all they knew we were shooting a porn, you know, they just, yeah. people just don't, they don't care. They're like, whatever's um, going on over there. We don't care. We just want to get our peanut butter or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now by season three, the show kind of, you know, was a, a kind of had a, a following. You know, and then people started coming. They found out where the store was, and they started coming to the store to, you know, because they heard, they found out they could be in their show, their show that they liked. So, so then it got a little. That's when it started to get a little messy. But yeah, the first two seasons, it, we were just on our own out there, and you know, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was cool because we would we would hang out with the with the crew, the real grocery crew, and the fake grocery crew. We would all have lunch together and we all knew each other, you know, and we, we all became friends. So like me and the the fake manager and the real manager, you know, would like and, and the it was funny because the 
the cast had to, people would come up to us because we're in uniform, you know. So yeah. people, customers would come up to us and say, "Where's the ketchup?" And you know, we got tired of saying, "I don't know. I know I look like I work here. I don't really work here." And finally, we just started learning where the products were, <laughs> and we'd say, "Oh, it's aisle three on the right," you know. Uh, <laughs> so it was it was weird. We kind of melded into one thing, That's and great. we would put the real crew in shows too. We yeah. would. We would make them. They didn't. None of them. They were all shy. They didn't want to do it. But we would force them <laughs> and put them in, in stuff. So uh, after that, uh, you, uh, what did you do next? Was that Quick Draw or we did a show called Jailbait? Oh, Jailbait! Oh yeah, uh, for Crackle, uh, which is w- still one of my favorites, uh, <laughs> just because it's 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 so out there. Uh, but yeah, Crackle was is owned by Sony, and Sony you know, produce 10 items. So they came to us and said, look, would you guys like to do a, just, just, ten, you know, uh, just one series of 10 episodes, short, short five to 10 minute episodes. And we were like, well, you know, we've been thinking about doing this, uh, this thing uh, for, you know, in a jail, but I'm not sure you guys would want to do that. <laughs> uh, and they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. And so, which nice. was really cool. Uh, and so we did it for them. And, uh, 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 you know, it, 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 it aired, but they, you know, it was really dark. It's really dark. Uh, we, I did, we, um, we, I have one, they, I don't think it's still on Crackle, but I've kind of snuck an episode up on my website at johnlear.com. Yeah. So if you want to check it out, you can, you, anybody who's listening can, can check it out. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I I, vag- yeah. I vaguely remember watching that when I first got into Crackle. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's cool. And ten items <clears throat> ends up. I think ten items kind of bounces back and forth between Crackle and Hulu, and then Quick Draw the the series that we did after that is on is on Hulu and it's yeah. still on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah, I watched an episode the other day because I hadn't seen it in a while. So, watched the pilot. So, <laughs> I'm I'm getting ready to shoot some stuff. A new idea with Bob Clinton, who uh, you know played Carl in the in Ten Items or Less. Uh, yeah. You know the stock boy, and he plays the uh, um, uh, the what do you call it the the Undertaker in uh, in Quick Draw. Yeah, he's also in Jailbait. He's in everything we've done. So I I, I just talked to him. I've got a cockamamie idea that I want to shoot. I was like, dude, are you, will you do it? And he's like, hell yes. He's hilarious. So his, his, uh, he's amazing. His like deadpan and everything is just great. <laughs> he's so great, and yeah. the two of us love working together so much. So um, yeah. So I, I, we'll have something new coming out soon with the, just the two of us. That's cool. So I, I saw yeah. that you did some uh, stuff with uh, Noah Bombach early on too. Did you? Uh, were you friends with him, or did you? Yeah, yeah. I did. Um, I did three movies with him. I did uh, Kicking and Screaming, which was his first movie. Yeah. And then I did Mr. Jealousy, which was his second movie. Um, and then I did, um, uh, what you might call it, uh, highball, which is, um, it, it's out there. You can find it, but I, I, Noah did it under a, a pseudonym. Um, and, uh, uh, so anyway, I, you know, I, it's, it, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Carlos Jacob is in it. And then, um, 
He also directed me and Carlos Jacot in a, a, these shorts called Conrad and Butler. And I think there's three of them. One of them, one of them is Conrad and Butler goes on vacation. I think if you Google it or if you go on YouTube, you can find them. That's cool. Yeah. I, uh, I know I watched uh, kicking and screaming in uh, film school. Cause we, uh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm a indie filmmaker myself, but you know, yeah. yeah so, you know, real low budget, but, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, it is what it is. That's how um, it starts. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, what, what kind of advice, if anything, would you give to anybody that's interested in getting into like comedy or acting or anything? You know, I, my, if, if you're thinking about television or film, I would start shooting right away. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, uh, so that, that's my first thing. Um, so, uh, you know, just start, just start shooting, you know, and, and even it, and <clears throat> try not to pigeonhole yourself, you know, as a writer or I'm just an actor or I'm just a director, you know, it's such a collaborative art form that the more, you know, um, about, you know, different, uh, departments, different aspects of making it, um, the more uh, you're better at the part that you like to do the most. So, you know, by writing and producing, I never wanted to produce, you know, I never thought of myself as a producer. I just produced because I wanted to act and I wanted to, you know, I realized nobody else was going to cast me if I didn't cast myself. <laughs> so, you know, um, but but by being a producer, I become a much better actor because I know what the, what producers need, you know, and what they don't need, and what helps, and I understand the bigger picture and how I fit in, and you know how to set my ego beside, uh, you know, uh, a, you know, uh, aside, and you know, just all of those, you know, uh, uh, things kind of cross pollinate. You know, and they yeah. just make you better. But yeah, the first thing I would say is, you know, shoot, 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 shoot. No matter how bad, you don't have to post it. If it sucks, don't post it. But, but you know, yeah. come up with an idea and put it together, cut it, take it all the way through, and you know, then move on to the next one. If you now, if you're just if you're performing live, same thing, man. Just get up, get up on stage. You got to do it. You got to do it. But it's terrifying to do stand up. Nobody wants to do stand up or improv on stage. Everybody's scared their first five thousand times. <laughs> but um, it's it, it, you're going to have to do it regardless. So yeah, start, start now. Start young. Yeah, it's got to start somewhere. I mean, otherwise, it's just an idea. Um, right. Yeah. It's just talk. <laughs> so, uh, do you have dreams that you want to achieve, but are scared to do so due to self-doubt, fear, and other people's criticism? I have just what you need. You need a dose of the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, where I interview guests that will motivate and inspire you to stop at nothing to achieve your dreams and always remember if you believe you can achieve hi folks this is michael lee calling the second from the podcast that you're listening to right now along with 
Manager Matthew Haas. You got promoted? Yes. Damn it. Okay, anyways, um, folks, uh, do you like the show Superstore? I don't know. I asked the folks and nobody's answering well, me because they're not here. Oh, but we love damn it. it. Yeah, we love it, though. Okay, folks, if you like it as much as we do, you're really going to like the Super Story podcast, which is a podcast where Matthew and I go uh, episode by episode and give our little opinions and thoughts on it. Uh, sometimes we have guests. Sometimes we don't. Um, just depends on how we're feeling. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so if you like this podcast and like our little crazy banter. Then you should definitely check this out, or I might get sad. And when I get sad, it gets pretty sad. Yeah, so I can't deal with him when he's sad. Yeah, no one can really. So um, yeah. So, so check out a uh, Super Story podcast right here, where you get this podcast, Super Story podcast. It's besides uh, the thing that you have uh, the idea that you got brewing. Anything else coming up anytime soon or anything? I just finished work on a film. Um, called safer at home there was just an article in the hollywood reporter today about it oh, or nice. last night um and it it's it won't it, it's not going to come out for a while but what made it an interesting story is that i think we were one of two comedies in all of los angeles that shot during covid uh and shot with the covid protocols um and it was it was really weird, man. It was it was you know we had to be tested every day, and you know a oh, reduced yeah. crew on the set, and wear the masks all the time. And um, people were like, "Well, how was it?" And I was like, "You know, it's like you take something that's already really hard to do, <laughs> and, and make and multiply that by a hundred. You know, it just makes yeah. it even harder." But um, we shot it, and it's there's only two people in the cast. It's me and another guy, and uh, Joe Reitman, who's an amazing guy, um, who weirdly is also a uh, <laughs> a Geico caveman. Oh wow! And um, and so uh, so we shot the whole film, um, and I've seen a rough cut. I really like it, and it, it's about kind of about COVID. Um, do you know who Harambe is? Yeah. The, okay. Yeah. The the ape and the and yeah. all the meme the meme uh, phenomenon. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of about Harambe, <laughs> and it's kind of about COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting combo. <laughs> so it's really weird, it, but it's it's good. I I yeah. saw it. I really like it. Awesome. I'll yeah. Check that out. Um. And uh. Anything else, like any kind of advice or anything, any 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 good stories or anything you need to tell anybody before we go here or anything? Um, <laughs> yeah. Let me see. Well, a good story. Yeah. I was trying. You know, I um, people love the the Geico caveman. The fact that I'm the Geico caveman, and yeah. um, one of the one of the I mean, it was this huge. For those people who don't know, it was this huge commercial campaign for Geico insurance where. Uh, I dressed up like a caveman and there were, and there were three actors who did it, but I did, I did probably most of them. I did, I did like 25 of them. Okay. Oh, wow. Which is a lot. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it became this phenomenon, you know, and it became super popular. Like it was incredible. And I remember that I was invited to the Oscars as the Geico caveman. <laughs> <laughs> so they dressed me up like the caveman they gave me this hot 
chick to be my my uh, this model to be my girlfriend, my so-called <laughs> girlfriend. And we went to these high-end A-lister Oscar parties. I mean, like the top Oscar parties. And here's the weird thing: when I would go in, all of the actors, all the celebrities would go all fanboy over me over they were like pushing each other out of their way john void like like push literally push people out of the way to have a uh uh uh, uh you know a photo with me and uh I, I have on my facebook page i have a picture of um uh of um oh god he played buddy holly in the movie um oh, gary Busey. Oh, Gary Busey, yeah. yeah, it's me and Gary Busey, <laughs> and so I'm dressed up in the guy coat, <laughs> and it's Gary Busey. So, uh, you know, that, I thought I think that's like a pretty good. Uh, uh, that's good. <laughs> it's a pretty good insight to Hollywood and how nutball it is. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it, it's crazy how big that uh, caveman thing was. I remember, uh, you know, it was like every time you turn on the TV, it was on. <laughs> Oh my god, it was insane. It was insane. <laughs> they did a TV show. I was in the pilot, but I couldn't do it as a regular because I was on 10 items. Thank god cuz the show was not yeah, I, good I, at I, all. I remember trying to watch that show. I Yeah, I, I made it, it like one, one episode and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz I think I'm like Nick, yeah. Nick, yeah, Nick, Nick was... Kroll was in it or something or yeah, I remember. Yes, yeah, Nick or, Kroll was in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, you and the rest of America watched one episode and then turned it off. <laughs> so, um, all right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to keep you too long here or anything. So, uh, but yeah, th- thank you so much for your time. Well, we, can, we can do this again sometime too, if you're ever interested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And yeah let me, let me know, reach out and it's, yeah. it's been a pleasure, man. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And definitely, you know, send me the, the link when you got it and I'll share it out as well. Yeah. Thank I you. do a, I do a uh, podcast called generation gab G A B. Um, that, uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll reciprocate somehow get yeah. you on there or do oh. a, do a simulcast or something. Definitely. That, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, and that's yeah. Gen- generation gab in case anybody's interested in hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, G-A-B, right. like okay. you're gabbing, you're talking. Yeah. It's me and a millennial uh, comedian named uh, chase o'donnell and we talk about the similarities and differences between gen x repped by me and uh and uh millennials repped by her oh nice that's yeah like, that's it's like, fun i'll have to check that yeah, out yeah it is yeah i, I listen a lot to of podcasts a lot so i'll have to check that out but thank you very much yeah. for your time and uh i'll let you go so you can get back home or wherever you're going here so <laughs> yeah my son has been texting me while i'm talking to him, like, dad, dad. like jesus man i told you i was gonna be on an interview just chill but no all right no problem um and you have a good evening here you too michael thanks for having me thank you okay that was uh my interview there with john lear um yeah be sure to check him out online we'll have some links and stuff in the show notes for uh all of his information. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking like this, Matt. Mm-hmm. I think it might be from the the loopiness from being tired, perhaps, or um, or the changing of the seasons. Because now we're like in like right in the middle of well, not in the middle, but we're like a month into fall right now. So 
Seasons change. So do I. I don't know what this is. Must have some pizza pie. What? (laughs) Wow. There's a time for change. You got to rearrange. Hi. Hi. I'm Mike. And I am Matt. Yes. And uh, if you've forgotten, you're listening to All Too Real 2. Um, yes, that, that was our interview anyways uh, with John Lear. Um, that was very insightful and informative. And uh, we're going to hopefully have him on again because we had to cut that interview kind of short. But uh, hopefully he'll be on again soon and uh, we'll be able to talk to him more in depth about his career and life and yeah. everything. And everything. Just remember, too, 10 items or less free on and crackle and generation gab podcast yes do it check them out check those out also uh if you have hulu quick draws on there as well yeah um, so yes there's no excuse no excuse to not do it no. crackles for free if you got an internet connection there you go yep you should just be watching it all the time yeah like like right now you should actually have it on as you're listening to this in the background and then you can kind of zoom in and out between watching the show and then paying attention to the interview or then going back to the interview and then having the show on back on background. Yes. So, you know, but that'll be fun. Anyways, thank you for listening, folks. This has been fun. <laughs> Hasn't it, Matt? Yes. All right. Wear a mask. Check us out on Patreon. Um, you know, check all of our links out because, uh, you know, you could help us out. Get some cool, and all that jazz, get some cool merchandise and stuff too. And all that jazz and all get your merch. that jazz. I need help, Matt. <laughs> so if anybody out there can give me help of any kind, I think we all do. Please, uh, Please uh, send me a message to Mike at CullenPark.com. Yeah. With the uh, think we, with the subject line, help. Help. <laughs> Just in all caps with an exclamation mark. Yes. Help. <laughs> Alrighty. So until next time, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to All Too Real 2 Podcast, a Cullen Park production. Produced and edited by Michael E. Cullen II. Music by Matthew Haas. Subscribe and share the show. Visit us at CullenPark.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg, but their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment, action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one. All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Metahuman Affairs or DMA and check it out right now. 